we are finishing up like a long summer series on spiritual gifts. Tonight, we're summarizing and closing our talk. I think this is, his, we've spent 10 weeks on this. So this, is, this actually rivals our science and religion series. Some of you should be earning college credit just for sitting through this. All right. Let me show you where we've been and where we're kind of wrapping up tonight. We've done it all in spiritual gifts. I mean, we've covered five different books. You probably don't know that, but that's how many we've read for this series. Five different books. We've looked at Pentecostals, Charismatics, Benny Hinn. We've looked at Cessationists. We've looked at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 exhaustively for three weeks. More scripture than any of you, I think, have read in a year because we actually read chapters out loud, whole chapters, not just verses taken out of context. So you almost couldn't recognize this as a Christian group. Okay. So we've done all of these things. We did the spiritual gifts inventory. Tonight, what I'm going to do, and I know we're usually pretty interactive in debating, the last three Sundays have been wild uh, in terms of our debate as we finally started to discuss what we really believe about, is God still speaking? Is he speaking to prophets? Is he still healing? Does Benny Hinn really heal? We've talked about that. We debated that. Last week, we were steeped in the whole subject of What are miracles? Does God still do miracles in our modern day age? And we had a lot of debate about that as to what a miracle was. And I could tell that you guys were working out some of your own theology as you were sitting here trying to work it out. So tonight, kind of doing a conclusion. Some of you are still waiting to find out the results of the spiritual gifts inventory and what are all those other gifts that we didn't talk about. We're going to actually talk about them tonight. These are all the questions you asked when we started this series. And... Man, it was a tall order trying to answer your questions about spiritual gifts. And I commend the people who actually wrote down cards and sent in questions and emailed them and all this kind of craziness. But I think tonight you're going to see, I think we've almost answered every single question. We probably beat the subject to death, but I think we finally did it. Let's, by way of review, go through some of these questions and catch some people up. Here they are. What are the spiritual gifts? Well, there was the list. And tonight, we're actually going to go through them, so I'm not going to talk about this right now. We're going to actually go through it at the end. For those of you who are still interested in the ones we haven't covered, where are the spiritual gifts found in the Bible? We went through all the different passages that have lists of spiritual gifts, and we put them up for you. Are they still active today? This was the one that we spent the most time on. We have a short answer. Are the spiritual gifts active? We said yes. Okay. The debate that we had was, what about tongues and healing? Are those still around in the church today? And that's why we had to spend three weeks on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We spent two more weeks on healing and prophecy and miracles, trying to get around it. And I think that our consensus, there's a lot of wisdom in this group, kind of said yes with an asterisk. I think our answer was, yes, we believe that our great God can do anything he wants. He can still speak to his people. He can still heal, and he can even do it through healers. He can do it through prophets. That all the scripture that we looked at, all the debate between charismatics and cessationists and all that stuff we went through, I think that the charismatics have a little bit of the better argument that God is probably still active in that area and that those gifts are active in people. The the, the reason there's an asterisk next to it is because we probably also agreed that the examples that we see on television are probably not the best examples that we don't think that Benny Hinn has the power, but that doesn't mean that nobody has it. That maybe Oral Roberts didn't exactly hear from God all those times he got it wrong, 
But that doesn't mean that God isn't still speaking to people in the church. And most of you have come up during our time afterwards when we go out and said, I know somebody who has a gift of healing, and you've told me a story. I know somebody who's received a prophetic word from the Lord, and I believe it's true. And that's been really instructive to us to hear it. So that's good. I think that's our answer. Does every spiritual, every Christian have a spiritual gift? We said yes. So that answers that question. Is it okay not to have a spiritual gift? Well, we basically said every Christian has one. So that was the one question people asked, and it's kind of a trick question. Every Christian, according to the scriptures, receives some sort of gifting. Whether you know what it is is a different story, and we spent time on that. Are they all equally important or equally effective? And the answer was, well, it depends on how they're used or misused. Okay, the Lord gives gifts differently to people. He gives not only different gifts, but he also gives people different levels of gifting. And that's true with just the way the Lord's provision works in our life anyway. Okay, we use the example of Billy Graham. I mean, some of you guys may have the gift of evangelism, but that guy has it in immeasurable amounts. All right, and so we could say, I have the gift of evangelism. I don't, I don't have it. But you could say, I have the gift of evangelism, and you see it on an inventory or something. But there are some people you look at and you go, boy, that person has the gift of evangelism. What's the difference between a spiritual gift and a natural skill or talent? Many of you were concerned about this question. And we danced around it because it's very hard to tell sometimes whether something's a natural gift or is it a spiritual gift. Some of you I know have spiritual gifts and it showed up on the inventory we took. Some of you have natural gifts and you were wondering whether it would show up and you guys were kind of concerned. There was a little bit of, hey, I think I'm good at this, but it doesn't show up in my spiritual gifts inventory. Okay? We're gonna, I'm going to leave this one a little bit towards the end. Okay? Let me leave that one alone for a second, but we just said that natural talents everybody has. God gives natural talents because of his providence to believers and non-believers. Spiritual gifts differ because they're given by the Holy Spirit, and that makes them a little unique. Do spiritual gift inventories work? Wow, we had a lot of fun with that in here. Um, We debated that a little bit, and I think our consensus was they're helpful. They're helpful. I think this was the answer we kind of came up with, they're a starting point. It's always better to go over the results with people who know you. Okay? From our experience, we took the spiritual gift inventories, we evaluated them, we talked about them together. Most of you felt like, eh, the questions aren't that great. All right? Some of you said you took it more than once or different ones, and you still ended up with the same inventory. That's good to know. But as I reviewed them and looked at different people that I know have certain gifts, I thought, hmm, sometimes they showed up and sometimes they didn't. We also said that those people who feel really good about themselves tended to have more gifts. And those people who don't feel so good about themselves kind of had less gifts. So it seemed like the the test picks up on your bias on how great you feel about yourself. All right. Are the spiritual gifts the same as the fruit of the spirit? This was thrown in there just to see if you guys even know what the fruit of the spirit is. We have to do a series on that. Of course, the answer is no. Okay. The difference between spiritual gifts and the fruit of the spirit is spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to believers, that's what the Bible says, as the Spirit deems necessary for the body. The gifts of the Spirit are, everyone is supposed to have that. If the Spirit is in you, everyone will strive for the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So just as a reminder, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do non-Christians have spiritual gifts? This is very controversial. Some of you thought they did. Some of you thought they didn't. I'm going to say the answer that I liked (laughs) was no. I think that's the biblical answer. Anybody who opposes me is excommunicated from the group. (laughs) Now, there is some debate about this, but the reason I believe it's no is because it's given to believers by the Spirit at the time, really, when you become a believer. 
And that's where we come back to this natural talent versus gifts thing, which we'll leave toward the end. But in true Exodus fashion, because we like to be a little bit of rabble-rousers, we did give the test to a non-Christian just to see how well the inventory worked. And boy, that person just scored off the charts. Okay? So maybe the inventories are a little bit flawed. You've got to believe the inventory is flawed or the Bible's flawed. I went with the inventory is flawed. All right. Can I pray for a certain spiritual gift, also controversial? Some people have been raised in churches that say, yeah, sure, you pray for what you want to get. You ask the Lord and he gives to you. Uh, most middle-of-the-road charismatics say, you can pray for anything, but remember it's the spirit that gives as the spirit deems necessary. This is not like merit badges in the Boy Scouts. Okay? You don't get to go collect them and get the ones you want. This is for everyone as the spirit deems necessary for the building up of the body. Should we only minister in areas where we have gifts? Answer, remember? No. Okay. Just because you have a gifting that you could concentrate in that area. That's great. But there are some things that the Lord commands us to do no matter what. And you can't say, I don't have that gift. I shouldn't do that. Okay. Because otherwise our churches would run on only those people who have the gift of giving, right? For example, nobody wants that gift. No. <laughs> This was one that was thrown out. We made fun of the question, but I think we actually answered it during our series. What's the holiest and best gift, and do I have it? All right? <laughs> I can guess who asked the question on the anonymous surveys, right? But I think, <laughs> but I think we answered the question anyway, just because we're a, we're a giving type of group, and we, we, you know, even, even crazy questions will answer. What is the best gift? What is the best gift? Paul told us what the best gift is. What is it? Love. Love is the best gift. Remember, he's admonishing the Corinthian church who's totally abusing the gifts, thinking that everything has to be about tongues and healing and all these like upfront supernatural gifts. And he says to them, desire the greatest gift. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13. So as we said, contrary to most people, 1 Corinthians 13 was not written so you could read it at the marriage ceremony. Okay? 1 Corinthians 13 was written so that people could understand that the greatest of all the gifts spiritual would be love. Now, is there a spiritual gift of love? No, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit that you're all supposed to strive for. But he's saying, while you guys are clambering around trying to find the coolest gift to show off, there's something more important than all of that, and it's love. So we answer that. Are certain gifts a sign of salvation? No. No, Paul makes it very clear that different gifts are given to different people as the Spirit desires. Okay? All right, here are some questions we didn't cover. We're going to cover them right now. These are, the re these are like the leftover questions. Can our gifts change? Can our gifts change? Anyone want to say why? It seems like some people are nodding their head. Why? Why do you think they could change? Well, like, don't, I don't have like biblical support for it necessarily, but like people change as life goes on. Like situations change, and God may desire something of you from one point, but something else depending on the situation. So it seems that it would make sense that gifts could change. Okay. You might need to be doing something different at different times. If you actually had an argument from Scripture that, that gifts could change, if you're going to try to make one, I don't mean cite me a Scripture, just something that sounds biblically based, what would you say? Yeah. Well, maybe like if you don't use it or whatever, like the parable about the talents, the buried talents or whatever, oh. like you're just never doing anything with it. Maybe God's like, all right, you're not using it, so. So it comes with like a use it or lose it clause with your spiritual not gift. Like expiration date. <laughs> is this best best if used by and like somebody <laughs> spirit stamps a date? Yes, exactly. Ben. I think that if the Holy Spirit sees a different need, he's 
free to do what you want. Sure. I think that really is the, is the basis of answering that question, is that the spirit, these are spiritual gifts, gifts from the spirit, not things that we're born with, and certainly not things that we should deserve. They're given for the building of the body. So I think that's a good basis for those people who asked follow-up. Yeah. All right, let me look at one other question here. Can we lose a spiritual gift? I think it's very related. Okay, some people think that the spiritual gifts belong to them. It belongs to the body. Paul makes a very strong case. It's for the edification of the body. It's for building up the body. Whatever the spirit desires is what's going to happen. And that's something we lose track of. We spend so much time focusing on gifts and healing and miracles that we forget that the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing all of this for the building up of the body. Okay, the Holy Spirit's the one whose job is to build up the body for the glorification of Christ. Just as a small footnote, a lot of us always ask, like, why do I know so little about the Holy Spirit? Why is the Holy Spirit so mysterious to me? And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit almost wants it that way. The Holy Spirit's job is not to glorify himself. The Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Christ. Christ tells us that when I send the counsel, he's going to point back to me. That's almost a function of the Spirit in their triune nature, just as a, as a note on that. Okay? Why does it seem that all the big spiritual gifts work only in the charismatic church or in Africa? Why is that? Because almost every report we heard in here said, well, one time there was a rally in Africa. It's like, why is it always happening somewhere not in America? All right. And a related question really is, do we not see the gifts because of a lack of faith? You know, I think this is a really good question. Let's just hit it quickly head on. There is a connection between the materialism of America and our spiritual depravity. Stated another way, we can't see spiritual things in this country because we're so used to material things. I'm not saying material things are always evil. What I'm saying is if we get so used to the tangible and the things we can touch in the material, we're not even looking for the spiritual. So right off the bat, I think we're not even seeing the spiritual. When we did our series on spiritual warfare way back almost a year ago, we spent time trying to understand it. Most people don't even believe in the spiritual realm. They don't even believe in a devil anymore because we can't see it, touch it, because we're so used to our material lives, and the devil loves that. You don't even need to worry about spiritual stuff. Just stay distracted with your toys. If you've watched what's been happening in America over the last few years, there's so much consumption going on in our country right now that it's starting to hurt other countries. And we're going to, you know, we talked a little bit about that in our social justice piece, right? Before we ask why are things happening in Africa, it's fair to ask why do we not see them here? Because we're distracted. We have too many material things going on. We don't even look for the spiritual. We're not even seeking the spirit. We're looking for the material. But it's also true that in many other countries, they have an extra heightened sense for spirituality. And maybe sometimes too much. Just depends. All right? Depends on your view. If that's too much emphasis on the spiritual and not enough on maybe the learning or that part of it. Okay? But that's why it seems... That's where it's going on, because people in other countries are seeking it. And by the way, I think it's inaccurate to say that's only happening in Africa. You see, like the Korean church, very, very strong in the charismatic gifts and huge church explosions going on. There's all these Koreans in mission work and all that stuff who are taking the gifts all sorts of places because their churches bring them up to expect that to be part of the body. So I think the comment I'm going to leave with is probably because we're not looking. Can I use my spiritual gift anywhere in all contexts? This was part of the debate from last week. Some of you don't like the idea of a spiritual gift being something. The only thing I'm going to point out biblically is that the Corinthian church was clearly misusing their gifts, so they were doing something that Paul didn't want them to do, that maybe even the Spirit didn't want them to do. So I guess 
yes, it's possible in some context that you can use the gift the way you want, sort of. I'm not going to say you can run around just healing people at random or that you're just going to hear prophetic words whenever you want to, like tuning into a radio station. But you can misuse the gift, so I guess that's what makes it a gift. You have some control over how it's used. Now we're coming down to the point I want to get to. How do I cultivate a spiritual gift? You know, part of the thing is this subject is so big and has been in such controversy in the church that we had to spend all this time on where the controversy is. And we didn't spend so much time on where you are. Most of you, as we looked at where you guys are gifted, it wasn't so much in tongues and healing. It was in some of the more important functions to the everyday body. And I want to look at those for a moment and kind of just meditate on that for a second. There's a new view that's coming out. (laughs) This is like the sixth book for this series. There's this guy named uh, Kenneth Birding. He's written this book. He's rethinking the conventional view on spiritual gifts. He's a professor at Biola. He's written this book, and here's what he asks. Is it possible that we've missed what the spiritual gifts are all about? Is it possible that because we're reading an English Bible that uses the word gifts, we've missed what the Greek actually says? Because Paul uses the same word for gifts, charismata, in other contexts, and they don't mean supernatural abilities. They don't mean spirit-given abilities. They just mean the ordinary sense of a gifting or a provision or a function, and sometimes they even just mean a ministry. So I'm not going to take us on a detour and read this whole book, but here's the thing why it ties into where we're going tonight to wrap it up. There's so much controversy, as you guys have seen, over some of the gifts. The conventional view has always said that the spiritual gifts are special abilities. They're almost like superpowers that we get, like in heroes. You know, everybody has one. We come together and we do some sort of cool way to save the world. His view is, and he goes through painstakingly explaining through 1 Corinthians. So if you didn't get enough from us and you'd like to revisit those three chapters over 200 more pages, he comes up with this view. Maybe the spiritual gifts are not really abilities. They're ministries that the body is supposed to perform, and some of them may be abilities. For example, if you have the ministry of healing, you might want to be able to heal. If you have a ministry of speaking in tongues, you need to have the ability to speak in tongues or to interpret. If you have the spiritual gift of interpreting dreams, maybe that's an ability. But a lot of them might be ministries. Why does that matter? Why do I bring that up at the end, throw this like kind of twist on the end? Like we've been debating this for so long and at the end go, ah, by the way, there's a guy out there who's pretty credible who's saying maybe we just missed the whole. Because it solves some of the questions you guys are asking where there's still not an answer. So I thought in fairness, I should at least present it to you and show you what it might mean. You see, if we think of them as ministries, maybe it solves some of our angst. We don't have to worry about whether you have a natural ability or a spiritual ability. If you've got an ability, God give it to use it. You don't have to sit down and look at an inventory and say, well, I'd like to be in the mission field, but it doesn't say I'm really high on missions. Go for it. You're freed up and you're not tied down to, well, that's not really my gift. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it is a ministry that we're all called to. I mean, go, therefore, into all the world was not spoken just to the gifted ones who showed up on the inventory as missionaries. It was spoken to everybody. It kind of frees you up from just thinking about, do I have other gifts? I feel like maybe this is my gift. The inventory says this is my gift, but I feel like I have gifts somewhere else. Go for it. They're all ministries for the body anyway. 
And if you hear what Paul was saying so often in 1 Corinthians, he was saying, hey, you guys are so concerned about showing your spiritualism with these gifts. That's not what the Spirit is concerned about. That's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that we build the body of Christ. So gift, no gift, don't worry about it. If you feel called to do it, do it. Some of you ask, well, what if you have more than one gift? Well, if you have more than one ministry, you wouldn't have a problem, would you? I mean, many of us do more than one thing. And we're not so tied up with this whole mentality of like, well, but it says I have an ability in leadership. How do I use that? It's like, you'll find a way. Just get out there and do something with it. You'll be okay. Catch up. Ryan. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's too profound of a statement. Like, I feel like everything that we do is supposed to be in ministry. Okay, let me tell you why it could be profound. Because when we open up scripture and we read that the Spirit gives certain gifts, the way we've read them is there are certain special abilities, right? So what if you, as a musician, feel like you have natural talent or you don't know? You just feel like you've got some ability and you want to give that to the Lord. But let's also give you some sort of spiritual gift inventory and it says, no, you don't have the gift of worship. I mean, you may be able to be a good musician, but you really don't score high on worship. And a lot of people would counsel you according to the traditional view of, well, that may not be your gifting. And they'd go a step further. They'd say, you know what the Lord wants from you is not just the good things in life. He wants the best things out of you. So what I'd ask you to do in a conventional view is go, Ryan, I know you like playing music and I know you think you could give it to the Lord, but I'm going to ask you to consider not doing that and focusing instead on evangelism. And so it puts the gifts as abilities in the driver's seat and takes away Maybe the way that God is speaking to your heart and saying, I think I should be playing something. And that's why, yeah, it sounds like this, is, this guy's coming up with a, well, duh, sort of. But he's saying if you stop thinking of them as abilities, then you stop thinking of yourself as some sort of superhero that's got to use your ability. And you start thinking of yourself as like, God, where do you want me to be? And if you want to add to the ministry, of course you will, and you'll find a way to do it. Now, he does that through 200 pages of analyzing 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 differently than we did. And I don't think that he did it wrong. In fact, it's very convincing when he writes. But like I'm going to tell, I'm not going to go through that. I'm just going to say, you want it? You can read the book. I'll, I'll be happy to give it to anybody who wants it. I'm done with it, you know? You know? Here's something else. It takes away our excuses to avoid ministries. It's just the opposite of what I just said about Ryan. Maybe he's like feeling the call to go, but somebody's telling him, I don't know. Maybe that's not your gifting. How about the other way around? You know, somebody's saying to you, I think you should be on the mission field. And you look at your inventory, you go, it's, it's not on there. You know, it's not even on the, it's not even, I don't even score that high. You know, I'm right here, good old like America. It takes away that excuse. And believe me, that excuse is used all the time. Here's one that's destructive to churches. A pastor will walk up to somebody in the congregation and say, I think that I need to tell you something and to correct you about something. And the congregant who's hearing this will either say, I don't think you have the gift of leadership. I don't think you have the gift of exhortation. I don't think you have that gift to be able to speak to me in that way. What? It's the pastor. I mean, God appointed him to that ministry. Either that or you heard totally wrong. But it takes away even those things like, hey, I don't think you have that gift. Hey, this isn't, stop thinking of these things as abilities, the author says. Think of them as ministries. No soloists. It reminds us that everybody, every one of us, has to be in a ministry somewhere. We can't do it by ourselves. God bless the American church. We're so entrepreneurial. Every one of us wants to start our own new ministry all the time. You know, so the church is like 50 miles wide and an inch deep. Because everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's doing it all. 
that's so against our culture. No soloists. We're all taught to be independent and be able to get out there and do stuff, and that's that's just yeah opposite of what we're raised with. That's the American gospel: individualism, yeah. me, me, me. Yeah. It's about me, me and Lord. You know, I just praise me, Lord. You know, in front of you. Right? That's the thing. And the problem with that, and by the way, if the Lord speaks to you and says, go start this ministry, don't let me stop you. <laughs> but, what I, but a lot of the times, we want that to be the Lord's response. We all want to be self-starters. We want to be individual. We want to do our own thing. It's always about me, 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 me. I want to lift my name on high. Okay? We're a very me church in the West. No soloists. Short-term, long-term. You know, we were just debating that. Can the gifts go away? Can they come and they go? In this view, who cares? You're where God wants you to be. And stay there as long as he wants you to be there. Gifts given to the church, not to individuals. There's another example, because Paul said it's for the edification of the body. Work in the ministries together. You're not like a solo agent walking around with the supernatural gift. That's not you. You're working in ministries together in the church. And finally, it gives us a sense of humility, which is what the Corinthian church was lacking all pushing each other aside, trying to be up front. It gives us a sense of humility that allows us, and this is so important, if you could hear this, just this one word. It allows the Spirit to work through us in weakness. One of the problems with the, with the gifts, abilities view is that it makes it seem like the Spirit gives us this superpower of some kind, super mercy, super giving, super something. And it's out of that power and strength that we operate. I'm not saying that's not biblical. In fact, that's absolutely biblical. But by rethinking that view a little bit, it reminds us that once in a while, God's going to work through our weakness, not our strength. Once in a while, you may not have the gift to stand up and exhort or preach, but that's exactly what he's going to ask you to do. And in that moment of weakness is when the Spirit would work the most, not the least, because you don't have that gift. We have a God who sent Gideon into battle with a few men. You have a David and Goliath type God. And so to always believe that the Spirit has to give us these special abilities tricks us sometimes into thinking, okay, that means that I will only work in those places where I'm super strong. And actually the best work may come from you when you're super broken and super weak. So this kind of gives us an alternative way to see our gifts, to see them as ministries. So how do I figure out what my gift is under this view? How do I figure out what the gifts are in general, all the ones that we haven't talked about? Well, i got a couple things. One is I'm going to give you this sheet that I've printed out that has definitions of what all the other gifts are that we had on the list. So let me pass this out. You guys just want to take one and pass it around because each one of you has different giftings. If you didn't take the spiritual gifts inventory and you want to, I'm not, you know, we laughed at it a little bit, but it's a helpful starting place. If you want to take it, I'll email it to you and you can take it and I'll score it and then you can see what some of the gifts are. I like this little format because it gives you, it gives you like some scriptural references to where some of these gifts come from. It gives you a brief explanation of what they are. But if you're going to follow this alternate view, how would you figure out where to be? Well, it's like everything else in life and it leads right into our God's Will series. Sit before the Lord and seek wisdom and direction. Instead of just taking an inventory and saying, hey, it looks like I'm high on leadership. I need to lead some people now. You sit before the Lord and say, where do you want me, Lord? 
just like everything else in life, where should I be serving you? How do I help build the body, Lord? And you move into that. Read the scriptures. Be a good place. And jump in. Under this view, don't sit around and wait till the ministry comes upon you and says, well, we see that you're gifted in this one area of giving. Maybe you should become an elder in our church, okay? You just jump in. Once you feel the Lord nudging you in a certain place. And don't stress out that you're on the wrong gifting or you're in the wrong place. The Lord will finally move you to the right place. You'll develop things you never even knew. Kind of on-the-job training is the way this works. Okay. Questions? Comments? Feedback? Yeah. Um, for tongues, I just had a question with that. Like, is it speaking a language that exists like... Italian, not no Italian, then just start speaking Italian. Is it a spiritual language, how a lot of churches say it's like a spiritual language God like understands? And if it is a spiritual language, not so someone in Italy can understand me, what's the purpose of that? Yeah, it depends on who you ask. So I'll give you a quick answer, and then we should talk about it after, because it's it's, that's where the most of the debate is in the church. It depends on who you ask. If you ask a Pentecostal or a Charismatic, they will tell you that Tongues are the spirit language that you can speak in. That's why you need someone to interpret. And that's why Paul is talking to the Acts church saying, even if you are going to use the gift of tongues, which I'd rather you use all the other gifts, but if you're going to use the gift of tongues, then make sure there's somebody there to interpret. Okay. But other people point out that the gift of tongues really is the ability to speak known languages, even though you don't speak them. The way Peter did on Pentecost when he spoke and every single person standing there understood what he was saying. The people who point to it's a spiritual language point to the verse that says we speak in groans and utterances that aren't understood, but that's exactly the problem. Because if they're not understood, how can anybody interpret them? That's what some people who are the purists believe, that that was the intention of tongues in the Acts church. Those purists also believe after the Acts church was done, it was over. There was no more tongues. That everything that's happening today is something different. The charismatics say, no, no, no. Tongues still exist and they are some sort of language, and I'm going to leave it right there because that's an entire book, and I'll give it to you if you want. I'll be happy to get rid of that one too. <laughs> you know, now that we're done with that. Yeah, there is there is some there is in one of our CDs that we have, or it's on the podcast. When you go into First Corinthians 14, the whole debate is what is the purpose of tongues. People who think, oh no, that was then, and after that, now something different. They think it's something different, bad, like. Yeah, to, to put it lightly, the people who believe that tongues ceased after the apostles are done split into two camps. They either believe it's satanic, all that, or they just believe it's just babbling and nobody knows any better. They can explain why, and I have another book on that one if you want. You know, they can explain why they believe that, why they believe that the tongues that are going on today are at best nonsense and at worst probably something else. And those are the same people that point out that if you go to a church where tongues is pressed, I think we talked about this, where tongues is like emphasized that everyone should speak in tongues, like 80% of the people are speaking in tongues. But if you go to a charismatic church, not like one of those real hardliners, but just a charismatic church that believes that tongues is one of the gifts, it's really only about 20% of the people who speak in tongues. So there's like this peer pressure to speak in tongues suddenly at some of those churches. And that's why the people who believe that there are no tongues are saying that you can't have that much difference between churches. If the spirit is moving, it can't be off by 60% from church to church, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's, like I said, it's a long debate. Do you have a comment? Yeah, I was just, um, what about the idea of, like, 
tongues as a prayer language, and that it's used for like intercession, um, like the Spirit speaking through a person to God, because we don't know certain prayer requests or prayer you know, needs, and like the yeah. Spirit speaking through someone. Is right. That- That's where most moderate charismatics are. That's what they believe the tongues is, that it's, it can be a different language sometimes that people understand, but that most of the time it's a language that the Spirit understands for intercession. And that's why it's good to have somebody there with an interpretation. In fact, the Bible commands somebody to be there with an interpretation so that somebody could stand up. So there isn't just, I mean, Paul makes it very clear. He says, I don't want people to walk in and just go, what was that? I mean, there's no interpretation. If a person speaks in tongues and intercedes in a public setting, but nobody interprets, then what's the purpose? Like, nobody understood what the guy just said. But if there's an interpreter there, then it works. What about your private prayer life? Then a lot of people that I know that claim they have the gift of tongues say that they intercede privately and have no idea what they're saying. But they know that they've been awoken or that they need to pray for somebody to intercede for them. But yeah. you don't need a, an interpreter in the, at that point. Right? No, I think, I think Paul's, cons- yeah, Paul's concern about an interpreter is really like, what good does it do to stand up in a group of 100 people and speak in tongues if nobody knows what you're saying? Yeah, how does that edify the body? And, if, and he says if a stranger walks in, he'll think you guys are all nuts. You know, So Paul's very practical in his approach to the gifts. Like, let's build the body with this. Let's not use it just to show off. And, of course, that's what Corinthians are doing. They're just standing around, and all of them were just all at the same time, just trying to outdo one another, which you can imagine what that room sounded like. So, All right, good questions. So one thing you guys were curious about, how did we do on the polling of the spiritual gifts? If you follow the inventory theory, does it do any good? Let me show you where we ended up. Just, uh, just I don't know if this me- probably means nothing, except that I had all the results, and some of you were curious what happened. So administration, pretty high um, in this group, you know. Giving, I'd like to see that. Really, <laughs> you know, we, we don't really take, like, until Ben started pushing the Kiva thing, which is such a great idea to do microfinance. I just love the idea of this. And Tony Campolo, as you guys remember, we looked at that video, is so behind this notion. I love the idea. But uh, the giving's been a little low on the Kiva thing. So if you guys really have this gift, let's amp it up a little bit, you know? I, I, you guys, by the way, are the inverse of most Christian groups I've ever seen. Like, giving is usually way down there, you know? So you guys claim you're giving. I don't know what it is you're giving, but let's just see some of that. Let's see some giving and giving big, all right? A lot of you hit discernment. Really cool. Uh, and, and some of you, as I was looking, just and it, I saw that other, I said, yeah, I, I really can see that. Gift. Uh, exhortation. Uh, pastoring. Okay, wisdom's up there, 50%. Helps, 40%. So a lot of these are like, Teaching, evangelism, hospitality, martyrdom, and 30% of this group. Some of you guys were like really high on martyrdom, like you're ready to go. So God bless you. You know? I don't know if we're ready to go. I don't know. No, but you guys answered the question that way. It was like a commitment, you know, at the end. You know, oh, I should have gotten you to sign it. Okay, never mind. It'd be really hard to build a group if 30% of you are going to go out there and martyr yourselves. Mercy, serving, craftsmanship. Uh, faith, missionary, intercession, leadership, prophecy, prophet, and tongues. 10% tongues. So somebody, a couple people. By the way, what does this mean? Nothing. It's just interesting. I thought you guys liked to see what other people scored and where you guys are at, you know? So that's kind of, that kind of brings it down to a point. If you really take to heart a little bit about this idea that maybe really Spending so much time on spiritual gifts has been interesting because we wanted to know about it. We wanted to understand what the church was arguing about sometimes. 
But if it really is something that we're supposed to do to help the edification of the body, then it leads us right into our next series. Where do you want me to be, Lord? What do you want me to do? What's your will for me? I know many of us, if we knew, Lord, if you could just write it out, I'm, I'm telling you I would do it. But I spend so much of my life trying to figure it out. I'm not sure that I get it right. And what if I get it wrong? And that's where we're going. So take everything we've studied on spiritual gifts and don't throw it out. You guys know in this group, we never throw out a topic when we're done with it. We're always circling back to it. So take everything we have and walk with me into this Will of God series to figure out it's the same questions. Where do you want me to be? What do you want me to serve? How do you want me to do this? Next week, we kick off that series and we're going to do it the way we did this series with a little bit of a teaser. We're not going to dive right in. I want you to come with your questions. We're going to put them down the same way we did with this series. And I want to know what your questions are about the whole God's will subject, all of it from beginning to end. We'll ask some questions next week. We probably won't answer any of them. We'll just tease you with some questions. Um, And next week, we'll start actually talking much more as we hear your questions and pull it all together. Let's pray and close in some worship and spend some time tonight getting to know one another afterwards. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, it seems that we have walked through this series for a long time, but we've barely scratched the surface as with any subject that has to do with you. We confess that you are a mystery to us, part of the triune God that we barely can comprehend. But you are God. You are our master. You're the Lord that we worship. And we're trying, Lord, just to understand you better. And that's what this group stands for. That even though our explanations may be silly compared to your infinite knowledge, even though our understanding may be finite, we're never going to grasp who you are fully. Spirit, come into this room and bring an atmosphere of love. Give us your wisdom. Be our true teacher. Move aside all the silly notions. Take hold of your church, Lord, and end this silly debate. Bring us to a point where we're more concerned with the lives of other people who don't know you, the lives of people who can't eat, who can't find medicines for their illnesses, for the people who feel lost in this world. Lord, move us to those things and get us off the dime on all these silly arguments. Lord, take hold of your church and bring the gifts in that way so that we can move beyond the elementary and just even the thinking and do the will of God to love others, to do mercy and justice in this world. Pray these things in your name. Amen.